This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. It is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets, episode 86 from the Subway to Shea studios in my office. Now, this may or may not be a long episode today. We're going to see where this goes, but... You know, right off the bat, it sucks to come to you without another game to preview or recap. You know, now where we stood last episode, we did a preview with James Shiano of Mets Up Podcast. And uh, thank you to James Shiano for joining the show. It was great to talk with him. And I actually got to meet him at Game 2 of the NL Wildcard Series against the San Diego Padres, which I'll get into a little bit. A little later on, I thought I was going to be able to do preview shows on Twitter spaces for all the games that were happening. And I got to do game one on the Friday night. And what happened to me after that, you know, Saturday, I had so much to do before I went to game two because I was going to the game and I wanted to get there early. I wanted to leave a little early because you always know there's always some traffic especially coming from where I live. There's traffic to get to City Field, and I wanted to be there in time. I wanted to be there early. I wanted to be there for first pitch, especially with Jacob deGrom pitching. Last time I went to a playoff game was 2000, the Benny Agbayani game, where he hit the game-winning home run, and we didn't get to the game until maybe the fourth inning, because there was so much traffic and no parking, and it was just a mess, so I wanted to get there early. Luckily, we did. Now, I also was going to do Game 3. I was going to do a Twitter Spaces into Game 3, and I lost my voice screaming so loud during Game 2, and I just couldn't talk that whole time. So everything that I planned to do, everything I said I was going to do in the last podcast just didn't come to fruition, and the fact that the Mets got eliminated didn't help either. Now, not going to get into full game recaps. I'm sure you've had enough of that, and I know you don't want to relive any of that any longer, but I just want to talk a little bit about each game. I'm not going to get into stats and all that stuff. I don't want to spend too much time thinking about this any longer. As much time spent as the Mets did on deciding who was going to pitch game one, two, and three, and that probably pretty much pissed off the Padres the whole entire series. You know, they spend too much time on thinking of the next series and preparing for the division series instead of just winning the wild card series. And like I said, it probably pissed the Padres off. And they came in strong. They came in hard. And they gave the Mets an ass whooping. You had that game one debacle with Max Scherzer where he gave up, what was it, four home runs, seven runs. And probably the worst start of his career, of course, it happens with the Mets. It forced the Mets' hand because they were going to go game three with Jacob deGrom in the do-or-die situation. So it forced the Mets' hand, and we go to game two, the game I went to, Jacob deGrom pitching on the mound. And, you know, my time at game two was just awesome. 
DeGrom was awesome. I know he wasn't vintage DeGrom, Cy Young DeGrom, but he gutted out a performance to help the Mets win this game. It wasn't great, but he gutted it out. Reminded me of Game 5 of the 2015 NLDS against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Do or die, gave up, I think, two quick runs in the beginning of the game, and then just shut down, did whatever he had to do to gut through that performance and help the Mets win. Did the exact same thing in this game. Like I said before, I met up with James Schiano at the game. He's awesome. As awesome as he was interviewing for the podcast, he's just as awesome as in person. And he does the Mets Stub podcast. If you haven't listened to it, it's the Mets Stub podcast with Mark Luino, who's a.k.a. Giraffe Neck Mark. It's the official podcast of the New York Mets. Also met with their producer, Vito Calisi, who's a friend of mine from our radio days working together. So congrats to Vito on getting that gig and becoming the producer for that podcast. We moved to game three, and it was very much pretty identical to game one. Chris Bassett did not have good stuff, I think. The Padres threw him off, and we're going to get into how that happened just shortly. You had the whole incident with the Musgrove's ear and Buck's decision to go after him and get the umpires. I had no problem with him doing that. The only problem I had was it was too late. I don't know if you heard on Michael Kay's show. Michael Kay explained that it looked like he had a glazed ear. His ear was shiny throughout like the first four or five innings of the game. You got to go after him. You go after him then. You don't wait until seventh or eighth inning. And by that time, it was too late. The Mets weren't hitting. And then one thing that I just couldn't stand, I know it's legal, I know they can do this, but I think it's going to end going into next season. And that is, you know, the batters calling time after every few pitches from the Padres. It was just so annoying. I thought the ump had to just step in there, do something to at least limit it. They were doing it after every other pitch. It was getting ridiculous at some point. Now, every game, I always like to have hope, even all the way to the end, especially this season. How many comebacks did we see this season? More in the beginning of the season, I know, I know. But that Phillies game in the ninth where they came back, the Cardinals game where they came back. And I was hoping for a little magic. And I always like to hope that, especially during this season. But when I saw Tomas Nito come out in the ninth to hit against Hayter, I knew the Mets packed it in. I knew they packed up shop. They were ready to go, ready to end the season. And it was just, you know, very disappointing, you know, very upsetting at the time. Even, even then... Why not even give Francisco Alvarez that opportunity just to, even if he struck out, whatever. But Tomas Nito, come on. Now, I didn't do an immediate reaction show, and that's why we are here a week later, a week and a couple days later after the series has ended. Actually, no, it's a week later. It's a week later because it's the Monday. They had lost on Sunday. So a week later, I've come to you to do somewhat of a reaction to what happened and I didn't want to do one right away. I didn't want to overreact, especially with the things I was seeing on Twitter. I didn't want to be a part of that. I was so stunned. I needed a few days to heal from this. I wanted to, you know, just get away for a few days. I was actually burnt out from baseball right around mid-September, getting toward the last week. You know, that Brave series, because of the importance of the Brave series and, you know, winning in Milwaukee to get the playoff spot kind of really rejuvenated me again. But I was really burnt out from baseball. Not how I was burnt out earlier on in the year. That was more of a personal thing. But I was just a little tired of baseball. So I took this week to heal. I was going to come out with the podcast on Friday and I work got overwhelming, had to take a break. And I'm here with you today doing this. So I needed a few days to heal. Same feeling I felt 
a day after the Mets lost Game 7 of the 2006 NLCS to the St. Louis Cardinals. I thought I would never feel like that again. I said I would never allow myself to feel like that again. And somehow, some way, this team sucked me back in. They sucked most of, if not all of us, back in. Unless you're Frank the Tank. He's always been negative about the Mets. But that line from The Godfather, once I think I'm out, they pull me back in. That's what the Mets did to me this season. I wasn't going to allow myself to be vulnerable, but they did that to me. They had the second best regular season record in franchise history. Do you understand how big that is? Not only to the Mets, but to me as well. I've never seen this team win 100 games. And in 60 years, they've won 100 games only four times. In 60 years. And this is the second best regular season. Better than the 69 Mets. Better than the 88 Mets. Better than 99, 2000, 2006, 2015. And clearly some of those teams were better, right? 99, 2000 went to the, respectively, went to the uh, NLCS and then the World Series. 2006 went to the NLCS. 2015 went to the World Series. 88 was in the National League Championship Series, although the playoffs were kind of different back then. And then, uh, we all know the 69 Mets are world champions. But I haven't been alive for that. I started watching baseball in 1998. So all I got is 99, 2000, 2006, all the heartache in between, then 2015. So this year felt different. After being eliminated, it felt like it was all for nothing. Look at the teams who were riding on in the playoffs. The Phillies, the Padres. We were better than both in the regular season. And now both are in the NLCS. As happy as I am that the Braves and the Dodgers are eliminated as well, if you include the Mets with that group, they were the class of the National League in the regular season. Now they have nothing to show for it. And something that I've learned from this is that the records, although they matter, they really don't matter though, right? Like 101 wins, personally for me, was great. But it's not a World Series championship. So how do the Mets come back from this? How does this team come back from this? Can this team be better? Maybe. I don't know now. And when you win over 100 games, I feel like you can only take a step back. They have roster moves to make and a lot of free agents to deal with from their team alone. But we will save that talk for the next episode. Already the day after losing, the media was talking about this. I just couldn't. I couldn't even think about the future, free agents, arbitration, none of that. This loss really hurt. Playing the way they did for 90% of the season to then lose the division in the last week on basically what was percentage points to now lose in the first round with really no fight in the final game just, you know, sucks the life out of you. This was just an all-around disappointing playoff run and week considering all the other baseball we saw. Now, will the Mets use this as fuel into next year? Sure, they will try. But as we saw after 2006, nothing is guaranteed. I thought in 2006, once the Mets lost in the NLCS, I thought that they would be rearing back and winning a World Series in 2007. Then they go, basically lead the division for most of the year, if not the entire year, until the last game of the season where they blew a seven-game lead. Now, you're not, you're, not, you're not guaranteeing me anything moving forward. I, I'm not falling for that again. Can't allow it. Won't allow it. 
Now, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer this whole show. There are some positives to talk about leading into the future, leading into the offseason, leading into the 2023 season. And the Mets are better off going into this offseason than they were last year. It was a complete 180 from the 2021 team when they finished with 77 wins. They have a hierarchy now that's respectable and has set a culture change this team desperately needed. They go into this offseason with a general manager and a manager, a manager who is highly respected across all of baseball, and a GM getting another chance to see if he is the man to lead this team and put together the roster needed to win a championship. He did great last offseason. Now, I wouldn't want to have all these pending free agents having to now also look for a manager and a GM. I don't want to be in that situation again. So I'm happy that that's already taken care of and out of the way this offseason. The one thing I ask the Mets to do this offseason, and it's something that they have really not taken care of in the past, and most of that's been because of the Wilpons. The one thing I ask the Mets to do this offseason is to be ahead of the eight ball with any of the players they want to resign. Get it done early. Get it done now. Get it done before the World Series. Be in the process of resigning them now. The Mets changed so much from the previous season. The culture, which I mentioned earlier, was attributed not only to the manager, but also to the roster turnover, bringing in Max Scherzer, Starling Marte, Mark Canna, and Eduardo Escobar. Escobar, great clubhouse guy, had a great month of September after struggling. Fans really gravitated toward him. Mark Canna brought a different element to the team, even though he struggled down the stretch. Starling Marte may be my all-around player of the year. And you could tell in September that he was missing once he got hit in the hand. His production, batting average, home runs, RBIs, defense, on the base pass, is something that I haven't really seen from a player since maybe Carlos Beltran was on the team. And we all know the 5-2 player that Carlos Beltran was. So Marte brings this energy, and we saw it missing in September when he got hurt. And what more can you say about what Max Scherzer brought to this team? I know, that last start was awful. His last two starts, really. Because he had the terrible start in Atlanta that cost the division, then the start in the playoffs. But I don't want to just remember Scherzer for that. He helped change this team around. Before those two terrible starts, he had one heck of a season. And I know he was injured for part of it. But when he was on the mound, he was on. And what he provided off the field as well is just as important as what he provided on the field. I do feel that this organization will continue to trend in the right direction. And I never felt that way under the Wilpon regime. Never. Never once did I feel that way under the Wilpons. Now, whether they win a World Series or not is pretty much unknown until we make it to the postseason, right? You know, for someone like me, you know, now the winning of the 101 games is, eh, just make it to the postseason, right? I think Buck Walter said it during his press conference. I'd rather be the guy with 83, 85 wins and going to a World Series and winning a World Series than winning 101 games and bowing out in the first round. And he's right. He's totally right. So hopefully the Mets will do what it's needed to be done to get there. And we'll get into the rosters and stuff in future episodes. We ain't done yet. But I do want to wrap up this episode with a couple of quick thoughts before this train leaves the station. You know, I went to game two, and the row behind me, no one was sitting in. Maybe about two people. Now, game two was pretty packed, 
but it wasn't a sellout. None of the games were. And we're talking about the playoffs. Now, I don't want to get on the fans. I don't know what's going through fans' mind, whether it's the prices, which are very expensive. The tickets can be expensive. Or the frustrations with the team. I mean, when you get into the playoffs, you got to sell these games out. Now, I don't know if this is something that Steve Cohen can look into or the organization can look into. But I'd say one positive out of that whole situation was it allowed me to get tickets. Because the last couple postseasons, I haven't been able to get any postseason tickets. I don't know what the fans' feelings are, but I will say this on how you should feel. Feel any way you want to about this Mets team and what happened. As long as you don't personally attack these players on social media or in person or wherever. You want to feel upset? Be upset. If you want to be angry, be angry. If you're okay with what happened this season and you enjoyed the baseball season and what happened with the Mets, that's okay too. Don't let anyone tell you any way to feel. I know I had a little conversation, I guess, with someone on Twitter. Someone who doesn't even follow me. Trying to tell me how the way I should feel. We don't do that here. We may disagree, but I'm not going to tell you how to feel. I know Billy Upler made comments about the offseason, and we'll get into that next week. Because next week... We will break down inch by inch, piece by piece, this offseason coming up. And we're going to start off with the Mets free agents and who I think they should resign, who I think maybe they shouldn't resign, and who I think probably is definitely gone. We are going to get into all of that next week. And then moving forward, we'll get into other free agents as well. So we'll break down everything as the weeks follow. Now, usually I have a little script to read at the end of the show, but I wanted to go off a little bit and just say thank you. As emotional as this series was and watching the Mets lose and being down about it, following the game, I got very emotional. And it wasn't because of the loss. I received so many nice comments following the game, thanking me for my coverage this season. It meant a lot to me. And I, like I said, I got a little emotional. So thank you. Thank you to all that follow me on social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all three, at Subway to Shea. I do most of my work on there, and I've had great interactions with all of you Met fans. And some, probably I can call you friends. We've done Twitter spaces together, and I joined other Twitter spaces as well. Thank you to all the subscribers of this podcast. There are so many Mets podcasts to listen to, and you choose this one, which means the world to me. Because I make this content not only for me, but for all of you. I also want to say thank you to all of my guests that have come on this baseball season. We talked about earlier, James Shiana, who came on the show last week. Justin Toscano. Cleon Jones, former New York Met. Matthew Brownstein. Scott Reinen. Tim Boyle. Jacob Resnick. Jeff Cohen. Letter Neighborman. Dan Abrams, a.k.a. Athlete Logos. Matthew Searle. Rich Baxter. Colin Cosell. Matt Williams, Ibby from Till Mets Do Us Part, Joe DeMeo, Rob Pearsall, even had Bobby Valentine on, my favorite Mets manager, and Pat Regazzo. It's always fun bringing some guests into the show, and I'm going to continue to do that as much as I can, and I'm going to continue to do Twitter Spaces as much as I can. Finally, I want to thank Rising Apple for giving me the opportunity to write this season. Never thought that I'd be enjoying writing. So I write articles when I can, and it's just been a fun ride that they've given me this opportunity to do that and given me the opportunity to express my feelings in written form. So I'm very thankful 
to Rising Apple for that. And that pretty much will do it for a Subway to Shea podcast. Sad ending to the season, but now we lock it up. It's over. It's done with. And we move on. It's time to move on. I know there's a couple of weeks left of the baseball season and then the, well, a couple of weeks left of the postseason, that is. And then we will move on to the offseason. But I hope the Mets are getting ready to sign some of their players and lock them up and get that over with. And hopefully we come back next week. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But for Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to the Subway to Shape podcast. And as I always say when I end the show, let's go Mets. See you next week, everyone. <laughs>